Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics. I'm joined as usual by Obi and Chris. How are you both? I'm warm. Yes, so am I. Very warm. Um, Chris is on mute, so we'll presume he's also warm. <laughs> um, we've not got a lot of time today, few films to cover, but um, the only film news I could think of was the cancellation um, of Batgirl mm. by Warner Discovery, as I think they're now called. So, I mean, it was due to come out in October, I think. Yeah. Um, by all... They finished filming and everything. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty late into post-production and for some reason, um, Warner Discovery decided to scrap it. Now, the people on Twitter and some film journalists have said that it's something, something to do with a tax write-down. I don't really know the intricacies of how that would work, but surely what? writing off a film that probably cost them tens of millions of dollars, would they not, would they not have even broken 100 million on, in the cinema? Uh they probably would have to be fair. I actually I think I think the budget the budget this film was ninety million, I think I read. But um I wasn't sure if this film was getting a theatrical release or not. Because I know they said it was gonna be HBO Max special original, blah 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 blah. Um so yeah, I have no idea if it was actually like, gonna come out in cinema. And I also, to be honest, I don't really know how like T V companies like HBO Max and stuff like that, how they make money outside of like subscriber like subscriptions. Um so I don't really know how that was going to work in terms of them making money off of it. Um, so I just think the thing, them cancelling it in general, just seems really odd. Considering, considering some of the bullshit they've put out, like, I suppose this is a new company, new direction, blah, blah, blah. But I said a while ago, like, if you're going to scrap stuff and think, oh, this doesn't fit with our vision, blah, 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 then you have to scrap probably 70% of the stuff that's in production right now anyway. Um, so if they do it for everything or most of it, then fair play. It wasn't just, but the fact they're doing it just for that girl, which is you know like a character who we I don't think we've seen properly on screen before, female led character or stuff like that, uh, woman of color as well. Like it just seems a bit. And... Yeah, and it was going to be the return of Michael Keaton as Batman, which <laughs> a lot of people would I have. Think that's the reason why they're not doing it. Do you think they've changed their mind on Keaton coming back, or has he done something that? I mean, he got done more of a madness than Ezra Miller. I'm, I'm yeah. wondering. See, I, I feel like it's, it's really stupid to cancel a movie when it's 90% done, and in theory, what they cost them 90 million. That's really not a lot, in all mm. things considered. Um, and I think if you put that in the cinema, you probably get that back within a week. Um, I think they're going to scrap the whole plan and change it because apparently they've contracted Carville. Um, Affleck and someone else to reprise their role as Batman, Superman and uh, another character. So I'm wondering, because of the Ezra Miller thing, I'm wondering if they're going to do like a reshuffle of cast, but doing a different way. I hear that. And that, that to most I don't mind that because I like those actors. But I'm just thinking like, isn't it, it, they made a whole big thing about how, you know, we, DC have a multiverse, blah, blah, blah. So like, could you not just, put it out and be like oh this is in a different universe like it's yeah I thought that's what they're doing anyway to be honest they've, they've had two Suicide Squad films in the space of like five years and you know there's some shared continuity there they, they've been they're not bothered about confusing the timeline yeah. but they've now confused the audience because this probably would have been a moderate success you know I mean 
maybe they want another fan campaign, you know, to restore the blah, blah, blah. I was blah. thinking that. I was thinking that. But it just seems crazy. Like, mm. even if you were thinking it's not going to do well, just put it on HBO Max and people will see it. Yeah. And, you know, they've, haven't they re, they refilmed the post credit scene of Aquaman 2 or something. So it yeah. was going to feature Michael Keaton and now it's going to feature Ben Affleck. Whatever, man. Like, just keep Michael Keaton, you know. I, sorry, I feel like Michael Keaton must have been a really integral part of this film. Yeah, it must have. And to, like, wipe it out completely. Yeah. But then I thought, so based on the trailers or the trailer, the little teasers we've gotten for the Flash film, it looks like he's going to be a big part of that as well. So are they, is he not going to, are they going to cut him out of that as well? It would make, if he, if we see, if we, if that film ever sees the light of day and we do see it and he's like, a big part in it, then this makes even less sense cancelling this film. Yeah, it's really strange. Um, I kind of feel bad for him and for the actress and for Adil and Bilal, who were the directors. They did Miss um, Marvel as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, a really weird one, considering they haven't scrapped The Flash and there's a lot of controversy about Ezra Miller. <laughs> yeah. um, and they were, you know, renewing other things. So I think Pennyworth is getting a season three, which I think is a CW show. You know, they're like yeah. things that you think, well, you can make save some money there. Um, the the Flash TV show is finally coming to end. But um, yeah. well, do you know what I was thinking? I wonder if they're going to try and re- get him to reprise the role. Cause they're ending the CW show, so maybe well, uh, get him Grant to become yeah. yeah, maybe make him become the the film Flash. Because they've already done a crossover event, mm. so yeah, they could do. Um, but yeah, strange one. So I guess we'll see. Who knows what's going on with with uh, Warner and that? But um, Black Adam is the next one to come out, I believe, in October. So we will see. Um, and we can also, if we've got time, talk about DC Super League of Pets if you've seen it. Um, another mm. bit of film news. I don't think we've spoken about since we last podcast, but. Um, Destin Daniel Cretton was confirmed for uh, to direct Avengers 5, The Kang Dynasty. Um, would you say Dynasty? I would probably say Dynasty. Um, so he's the director of Shang-Chi and was supposedly developing a Shang-Chi 2 and also a Wonder Man series. Um, I don't... This, this announced maybe two or three days after the Comic Con. I don't quite know why they announced that afterwards. They probably should have just announced it there and then or waited for D3, D23. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, any strong thoughts on on that? Uh, not really. I like Shang-Chi. Um, so I feel like it's in good hands. So, yeah, I'm happy. I think it depends. I, I worry more about who writes these films more than I suppose who directs them. Is he going to be writing films as well? Yeah, I was going to say... I'm not sure if he wrote Shang-Chi, but, um, I, I mean, yeah. so I was going to say, presumably, so he's worked quite a lot with Brie Larson, um, mm. his pre-Marvel days, and obviously she was in post-credits of Shang-Chi, but presumably Simu Liu is also going to be, you know, Shang-Chi's going to be one of the Avengers, and I think he's posted some tweets about, like, you know, oh, get it, got to get back into shape sort of thing, so yeah. we're, we're going to get a new look Avengers, um, for that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm looking. For- I did hear that also that um, obviously he's doing uh, Kang Dynasty, but he won't be doing Secret Wars. 
So I find that interesting because obviously I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Russo brothers did both Infinity War and Endgame, right? Yes, that yeah. was originally going to be a part one part. I guess it kind of was. Kind of basically, two, is but it originally there were. Yeah. yeah, but I think it was originally much more going to be like something something part one, mm. part two. Um, but I mean, you know, Marvel, with the exception of Joss Whedon, who didn't direct any solo films, like Russo's obviously did Captain America two and three, um, and then did the big crossover films. So I wonder if. Marvel will, you know, reward in a sense uh, one of their other directors with um, Secret Wars, whether it's Ryan Coogler, um, depending on, you know, the success of Black Panther 2, or Chloe Zhao, or Adil and Bilal, you know, if they want to go down the whole, you did a good Marvel TV show. Um, Because if they just like randomly pulled a left field director, you'd kind of think, I haven't worked with these characters before, but I don't, again, don't know if that matters. But yeah. yeah. All right. Any more film news? Uh, no, nothing I think of, to be honest. No. All right. Well, where do you want to start with the film releases? What have you seen most recently, Obi? Um, I am about nine tenths of the way through the Prey film, so we can talk about that if you like. Um, <laughs> well, if you're only nine tenths of the way through it, I don't I, wanna... I, I'm not going to hold you like. I don't really care about it, <laughs> to, be honest, to be honest with you. Not that it's bad, but I just don't care. Okay, well, give us a summary of it then. Um, so, Prey is, I suppose, the latest in the Predator series. Is it Pre- No, the Alien series. Is it Predator or is it Alien? No, nope, Predator. Predator series. Um, I guess it's a prequel, I'm assuming, to the first one. Yeah. Because this is set in 17-something, and I guess the first one is in the 80s, I think. Yeah. Um... And it's about um, a woman and like her brother and their tribe, the part of the Comanche. I don't know if it, if this if the Comanche is named the tribe. I know it's the language they speak. Um, and they are, I suppose, invaded by um, a predator who's like going around killing people and that. And they basically have to survive. And uh, that's like a key theme in the movie because I think in the, their tribe they have a ritual. I can't remember what the ritual is called. But it's basically where you you hunt something that's hunting you as well. And it's like, you know, where they traditionally have like those things where oh, you become a man when you've done this. I think this is like when you come of age, you do this. Um, and the woman uh, it's very stereotypical, like, oh, you're a woman. You can't hunt. We're men. We have to hunt. You have to make us food and do medicine. Actually, this woman is very capable and very, cap- very smart as well. And they kind of like plant little seeds of how like she's. Whereas other people are more like gung-ho, she's always like watching and scanning and she's very much like able to use her wit to kind of like get the better of her opponent, I guess. Um, and yeah, that's about it really. Uh, just to give my quick thoughts on the film and then you can go off. Uh, I think it's, I've not watched any of the Prey films, uh, sorry, Predator films. So sorry if you guys can hear like drilling, someone doing work in my house. Um, I've not watched many of any of the Prey films, but I thought this is fine. Um, I think that the story's a bit thin, um, so I'm not really that all that engaged. I don't love the Predator, I guess, because he just lands and he's just there, and I don't really know why he's there or what he wants. He just lands and starts killing people, and I'm like, okay, sure. Um, don't really get the need for that. I feel like he kind of needs the backstory, but whatever. And 
I think that the acting is eh, is all right, I guess, across the board. I think it's just fine. Like, there's no, there's no like, I haven't seen like really good line delivery or really good lines just in general yet. And I'm about 15 minutes from the end, so whatever. There's a couple of pretty cool kills, I would say, um, from both the predator and also the the girl. I can't remember her name, so sorry about that. Um, Naru. Yeah, Naru. Um, and yeah, fight really. And there's a couple of moments as well where I don't know what um, age rating this is, but it seems like they're kind of like are a bit. Uh, what's the word? A bit back and forth on how how like bloody and how gory they want this to be because at some points it's really gory and then other points they cut away like just like for example just as about quite a few times I think just as a, as about the uh, the predators about to chop someone's head off they just quite cut away from it really quickly and I'm thinking like okay you did that but then you showed you him sticking his spears through someone's skull a minute ago so like which one is it like do you want it to be like real bloody and stuff or do you want it to be like on the edge PG thirteen kind of thing. It's a good point, though, to be fair. There was a lot of, like, serious, serious, like, bludgeonings and obviously having skin ripped off of things is pretty mm. graphic for any viewer to see. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah. What do you guys think? Chris, what do you think? Um, yeah, for a short film, I thought it was, it was decent. Give it, like, a seven, probably, maybe a bit lower. I think there's not much too much dialogue for us to really like hone in on the acting skills of the characters um i think it got a bit repetitive of how little they fought the girl and how how she can do things it was a that was a bit frustrating um the predator itself looked a bit different to the predators we've seen previously so i don't know if this was a younger one or obviously it's a different year so maybe it's a it's less technologically advanced because the predator that you see in like the contemporary settings i guess i've got like metal helmets and things like that but this one had like a bone helmet it looked like so see I'll... it looked like a bone helmet but i don't know if it actually was because it pretty much deflected a lot of the things they threw at the head so i originally thought it was a bone helmet but then from what they actually did with it I'm, i wasn't convinced but um yeah i mean there was some retcons at other other films as well like with the gun from the from the previous film, and um, yeah. uh, there was another thing they they did for the other films, but yeah, it was decent. I mean, it wasn't necessary, but it was decent. Um, <laughs> I don't know much more to say. The gra- the gory bits were more proper gory. The animations of the animals were decent. They weren't great, um, but then this is a TV show, so I thought the um, the grizzly bear was pretty good. Um up a pretty good fire yeah as in like the, the effects of it um but yeah i mean so this is a definite change of pace from the previous entries in the franchise um so there was an actual film called predator about four years ago um which was i'm not even sure if it was a reboot or if it was just like a continuation but um i've seen all of them but none of them have really stuck in my mind but they were like particularly the schwarzenegger ones are like more action heavy as you'd expect um this was just a change of pace obviously it's set in 1719 it's featuring a native american tribe um you know pre-colonialization um and it i guess i quite liked that difference because it was you were seeing you know that there was kind of like a, a natural escalation in terms of the animals that were being 
encountered. So there was, you know, like the cougar, then there was the grizzly, and then you finally got like the the predator. Um, and it was basically they were both simultaneously predator and prey because it was like this kind of weird cat and mouse. Um, I liked the fact that predominantly the actors are Native American or of Native American descent, so that's you know important for um, representation. Um, and I felt like particularly, um, I don't even know if you've seen this bit yet, Obi, but particularly the the final fight between the Predator and Naru, um, there's like inventive ways that uh, she overcomes it. Um, spoiler yeah, alert, I guess. I'm just, I'm just before, just about to get to that bit. But um, sorry, I just want to quickly say one thing that annoyed me um, is the fact that obviously they're speaking uh, Comanche at times, which is fine, but the subtitles don't translate it. <laughs> I don't know if that's the same for you guys, but it just had the it say Comanche, and then in the subtitles it would write literally write out the words in Comanche. But I don't know what that means. Yeah, that was quite frustrating, <laughs> and I see a lot of shows do that, and it really just. I don't know what the idea is if like we, we want to see what they're saying that we, we don't yeah. understand they did it, their and communication. They did it for the, they did it for the sorry, don't just like discriminate or whatever, but they did it for the French people as well actually, now that I think about it. And I just Oh, I, I didn't see any subtitles. Oh. So well, I, I just have oh, I, I always have subtitles on. Yeah, so. I have I always have subtitles on as well, so maybe we're just seeing what okay, they're well, saying. So okay. when when they were speaking Comanche and when they were speaking French I had no idea what they were saying. And I presume that that was intentional, maybe it was just not important. But um, there were extended scenes of French where they were like talking. And I'm like, kind of want to know what they're saying. Yeah. And if it's not that important, why have you included it? Um, I also felt like the French um, voyageurs were, it was a, it's kind of like a weird addition. It kind of felt um, unnecessary. Yeah, totally different. Maybe, maybe. Maybe it's like a historical thing, you know, acknowledging that they happened. Um, yeah. But it did feel weird. I would have kind of just liked it to remain kind of Naru against um, the Predator. But When the yeah. um, when the French people first arrive, uh, just as the girls, um, Naru is uh, caught in the, in the trap, why didn't the Predator kill them all? Because it wasn't like just there. Or am I making that up? I think there was a... I think there was a kind of time jump in a sense because she says later on that the predator didn't kill her because she was not a threat and then oh so the predator is sexist (laughs) (laughs) i think it was because she was incapacitated so like it wasn't a fair fight that's kind of what i got from it but then i don't think that necessarily holds up in other fights when he's injured someone and then finishes them i was was about to say the guy lying on the floor with like no arm was literally helpless and he like flipping crushed him. Yeah. Did he not have a gun though? I'm not no, sure. She, no, she had the gun. He had given her the gun oh, to me. Right. Or did she pick the gun off him? Maybe she picked the gun off him then. I guess like the whole thing with Predator, there's not really too many ways that a person can fight it because the only way that you are not on its radar is if you reduce your body temperature and that happens in all the films so it's kind of difficult to do anything too inventive with it um so i guess making it 300 and or so years before is uh it's a cool setting i mean yeah it was it was fine for like a 
you know, relatively short film. Um, didn't mind it at all. So yeah, that was Prey. I uh, don't so know. We'll get another one, um, like uh, another prequel type one. Or I think people really are really uh, rating this one. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, it'd be nice to kind of get a origin of the Predator. I don't know if we've had that in others, and I've just forgotten. But do we kind of know see what how... they want? These Predators, or they're just here to fuck people up, and that's it. I think in one of the films, aren't they? Um, unless it's an Alien versus Predator film, aren't they there to just play a hunt game, hunting for sport? Aren't they? Are they? I can't remember. I know they capture. Like they, they, they take skulls and spines and stuff, but. And there must be some explanation for it, but yeah, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I mean, they probably will do more. Um, I mean, they've literally got so much to scope to play with, don't they? <laughs> they've got another 300 years before the Schwarzenegger one. They could do it in all these different places. There was even a film like 10, 15 years ago, I think it was called Predators, where people were just deposited on a, on a planet and it was like a hunt, like you said, Chris, like they were there to be hunted. Um, that had Adrian Brody and don't recall it being great, but yeah. Um, have we all seen Bullet Train? I've seen Bullet Train. Um, no, I want just, to see it, but go for it. Talk just before it. we talk about it, I just quickly before I forget, because I'm going to forget. Have either of you watched, started watching Iron Group yet? No, is it out? Yeah, I think yeah, I've seen yesterday. Two of them. It's really weird because like you have to like they're not all they're not all like in a in a bunch if that makes sense. You have to like do like click on them individually. It's really fucking stupid. But you know that is annoying. Yeah. I want I want to continue. You know. Mm. Um. Yeah. I mean, they're they're fine. They're they're very aimed at children. I'm not quite sure. Either, so. I'm not quite sure the point of them. Mm. Um. But the animation's really. Merchandise! Merchandise, yeah. my friend, merchandise. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, I mean, they're literally three minutes long. Yeah. That's it. Um, but the animation's really good in it, so, like, visually, it looks really good. Okay. Um, but sorry, carry on. No worries. So yeah, Bullet Train. Uh, this is uh, an action comedy um, featuring Brad Pitt. It's got Brian Tyree Henry, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Jerry King, Andrew Koji, Michael Shannon. Loads of recognisable faces and good voices. Um, yeah, so proper ensemble cast. The plot, in essence, is a load of assassins kind of end up on the same train <laughs> and they all have their own individual missions that convolutedly end up being related to one another. So you've got, you know, uh, Brad Pitt is Brad Pitt's character, Ladybug, uh, is on there to just recover a briefcase. Uh, but that briefcase turns out to be the ransom money that was exchanged for a child, uh, the, this Russian kind of kingpin son's life and blah, blah, blah. Like, it would end up confusing me to try and explain it. Um, and I still wasn't quite sure how it all fit together by the end of it. I don't know if you were the same, Obi. Um, I think I got it by the end because I think uh, Michael Shannon's character ends up uh, explaining it. I would say decently well, I would guess, to the point where I was like, okay, I'm not super confused. I feel like I got it, but yeah. I think it was the fact that like 
his character, the White Death, the son, was being rescued by Lemon and Tangerine, mm. which are Tyree Henry and Taylor Johnson's characters. But then he sent someone there to assassinate his own son. Okay, his son, yeah, because his son was the reason he deemed his son as the reason why his wife died, yeah. And then he was also, but then he also contracted someone to get the briefcase, but then he all wanted them to end up killing each other. So, mm. yeah, it, it was a, it's a little bit convoluted, but I guess it works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I liked about this was basically the chemistry between all of the actors. Um, you know, it's got that kind of Deadpool tone about it where it's a bit tongue-in-cheek but very violent um mm. but there's a lot of humor in it and um there's there's this kind of tarantino-esque kill bill nature to it as well where it's like you're introduced to a character in their code name and it's like boom backstory boom mm. we're in the present again mm. um which works for a lot of them uh some of them i don't understand why we got their backstory because they end up dying very quickly such as are you wolf. talking about um what's yeah the wolf yeah, bad, bad bunny over there. Yep, I didn't even realise that was bad bunny. Mm. Um, and also the hornet who literally comes in and dies almost immediately. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, I found it a lot of fun. Um, I think they've got potential to expand this as well because there's lots of talk about old Joburg and all that sort of thing. So yeah. they they can definitely do prequels, and um, I would be here for it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, particularly I think Tangerine and Lemon were standouts. The fact that like. Brian Tyrese Henry is, I mean, his Cockney accent was hilarious. Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> there, was, oh. there, was a, there was a few times it slipped. God. Uh, quite a few times it slipped. But I found it quite funny. Um, but was, I was just like, sorry, just to interrupt you really quickly. I was just like, why not? Because Aaron Taylor Johnson can do a decent American accent. Why don't you have them both be American? Because <laughs> they... David Leach wanted them to be West Ham fans, clearly. Oh, man. It was so, he, uh, his accent, that's the only thing about this film that just genuinely really annoyed me because the accent was so oh, bad. You're definitely a diesel, mate. You're definitely a diesel. <laughs> I liked his character a lot. It's the thing. And how he's like obsessed with trains and stuff. I thought that was actually really funny. But the accent was just, oh, mate. It was... and in the trailer, I didn't notice. I don't know how many lines he has in the trailer, but in the trailer, I didn't notice that it was like that bad. Like It's actually probably one of the worst. I thought he was American after watch, from watching the trailer. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. But Joey King's British accent is a lot better. It's pretty good, Again, yeah. Why good. she's doing a British accent, I don't really know. Um, Michael Shannon's Russian accent is also a bit... Yeah. Not great, yeah. But, yeah, hey-ho. Accents aside, um, I thought this was a lot of fun. Um, Brad Pitt seems to be having, you know, a really good time with it. Um, he's got that, like, cheeky... I don't know. He had, like, a cheekiness to him. Um, his performance and yeah I just I don't know I just really enjoyed it um, it wasn't blowing me away you know it's not like a, a, a great action film but it's it was good 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 time really which sounds damning with faint praise the only real issue I had with it was like when the train crashes at the end the visual effects were atrocious oh, yeah Oh my god, I could actually see which parts of it were like real and which parts of it were visual effects. Mm. And look, this film was produced during COVID and we've seen particularly there are some films where, you know, I don't know whether they didn't have time or they ran out and they just wanted to get the film out, but the, the visual effects were 
poor at the end. And that's it's a shame because that's the kind of lasting image you get of the film. Um, but interestingly, most of this was shot on the Sony lot, I think it was. And um, there are two cameos in this, which I won't spoil. Um, but, well, I guess it will be spoiler when I tell you why. Um, but, yeah, so these two cameos ended up in this film because Brad Pitt cameoed in... Oh, I knew it. I knew the film it. that they were on because they shared the same lot and because it was like oh, bubbles and things funny. like that. That's so yeah. funny. I thought I did think that when I, when when they were there. I was like, oh, they were all in the film together. That was yeah, a couple months ago. it's kind of like, hey, we're all here. We've all done our bubbles. Let's just. I think that's why there was quite a lot of cameos, like Bad Bunny and Zazi Beats and stuff. Um, I presume that's why, anyway, because maybe a lot of them already. Yeah. I thought that that particular person's camp to the first person. Who appears and I thought it was really funny when he was like saying like is this is this sexual? <laughs> yeah, he literally when he cameos and things he always plays the same character. Yeah. He's always some like weird sexual perverse guy. It's, it's really funny. Um, it was quite a joke. Um, sorry, are you are you are you still going? Done. You had finished. Um, so I uh, I actually went in this to this watching film with quite low expectations. Um just kind of like watching the trailer i wasn't like particularly enamored by it i just thought i was going to be a bit um but like watching it it's it's a lot of fun i like you say it's not like amazing it's not stellar but it's just it's ridiculous but ridiculous in a good way um i think that like you say like i think the the dialogue between characters and how like no one takes themselves in film like too seriously maybe apart from that wolf character um and I suppose Zazie Beats' character, but she just kept saying bitch like, every two seconds, which I found quite funny. Um, yeah. But, like, no one takes themselves that seriously in the film, which I think lends to its kind of, like, I suppose, light-hearted nature. Um, the actual, like, choreography of the fights, I think, was is pretty good. Um, and, there's, and also, there's a lot of a lot of the cameos, well, because I didn't look up like, any of like, the cast or anything before the film, and a lot of the cameos aren't in the trailer, which I think is the best way to do cameos, because they, they do take you by surprise. Um, even Andrew Koji being in it, I'm sure he's not in the. Uh, I could be wrong, but I'm sure he's not in the trailer. I don't think so. No. Yeah, and I really like him. He was in a TV show that I watched called um, Warrior, which is really good. Um, he was also in that awful Snake Eyes film. Snake Eyes, yeah. Um, but yeah, I really like him, and I think like I was maybe when it gets maybe the the back end of the second act, I was probably a bit like, where's this all going, kind of thing. But I suppose when Michael Shannon comes through and kind of like connects everything, I was like, oh, okay, this is dumb, but it's fun. It, it was a bit it. exposition heavy, yeah, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was for sure. But I was like, okay, that's nice. I There was one cameo. So the person who actually killed his wife, yeah. I wish he was, I wish he'd gotten another scene in the film. And I thought he was going to, I thought we were going to see him again, but we didn't. I was like, oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I think. That the uh, I did enjoy. I very much enjoyed the chemistry between uh, Lemon and Tangerine. Um, clearly, like obviously, they were like at odds, but also like they obviously had a lot of love for each other. And uh, when um, is it which one's I can't remember which one's Lemon, which was Tangerine. When, uh, Tangerine is Aaron Taylor Johnson. Okay, yeah. So when Lemon gets shot, I was like, oh, he's definitely not dead because they laid that. Uh, that blueprint, the uh, they led that hint about the uh, what's it called, the uh, bulletproof thing yeah. earlier. So I was like, okay, yeah, cool, he's gonna come back. But then when when Moss's face actually did get shot, ah, like, oh, fuck, like 
I actually wanted it. So like, if they did do a sequel, like you're saying like, I would want, I would want them two to be in it. But I, I imagine they'll end up doing prequels because yeah. you know you've got the whole Joburg thing, the Bolivia thing. Um, you've also got you know Carver, who's the one of the cameos. Like he's clearly got some beef with uh, Ladybug, you know, because yeah. he says, "Oh, he's know, such an arsehole type thing." So <clears throat> again, they've got a lot of scope with this. Um, mm. This kind of feels in a weird way, like the culmination of everything that could have come before it. Like right. we we could see the wolf, we could see the hornet, all of these other characters in other films, you know, it could end up kind of being like a John Wick type thing, you know, all these assassins. Um, this kind of feels like the the end game. Yeah. Um, I did I did um sorry actually keep going. I'm just no 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 thinking of my thought. Um I did think that um so like I said, yeah, the things that annoyed me was the accent thing. That honestly annoyed me a lot because the accent was just so terrible. Um, and I'm thinking, like, as a director, like, when you're hearing this accent, aren't you like, okay, should we just make him American? Like, it's just really bad. Oh, but I suppose they're all Americans. So maybe they just don't get it. But it's bad. <laughs> but then you had, like, Aaron Taylor-Johnson there. And well, yeah. He could exactly. have said, mm, there's a bit... It's, 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 it's shit. Um, anyway, um, that annoyed me. I do completely agree with you about Bad Bunny. Um, he should have got more more screen time, I suppose, if he was going to be in it. he should Because, like, again, I said, whole backstory... And then within like one fight, he's gone. I was like, oh, all right. I guess he's, yeah. uh, he's finished now. And same with Zazie Beats. I don't know, Zazie Beats I didn't mind because that was just like a little like, oh, by the way, it was me. Huh? And now, you, now you're dead. I'm like, cool. And also with the whole snake venom thing, I think that was, that, I liked that little thread throughout the, uh, throughout the film. Um, and the last thing that I was going to say was, so I was initially, ri- so at the end, when Joey King gets hit by the truck, I was really annoyed because I was like, that's such a shit ending. But then when they go back and like show what, who, who hits over the truck, I was like, okay, great. That's, I, need, I needed that. That, that. that made me, that made me leave the film on a high. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like this film. So yeah, it's a good film. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Did you notice the um, train conductor was um, Hero from the TV show Heroes and the train concession oh, girl is um, Kimiko. Kimi- uh, yeah, from the boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know it's Hero, Hero until you said it just now. To be fair, but yeah, Kimiko. Kimiko, I thought, I thought she was going to be in it more. I thought she was going to end up being like an assassin, um, but she was just yeah. a, normal, a normal person. I also, I thought it was a bit contrived when they were like, um, "Oh, I bought all of the tickets from now to the end of the line, so so conveniently there's no one else on this train." I thought I'd be stupid. Yeah. So what, no, we saw no anyone one's going get off to, at any stop. Do you know what I mean? Like no one's going to the end of the line, are they? Okay, fair enough. But well, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's, it's a yeah, good good humoured film. Chris, what have you seen recently? What have I seen recently? Uh, well, I saw the DC Pet Super Pets because you said that was on the list. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give us a Do you want to give us a rundown of that? Yeah, can do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, alright, um, so it starts with, um, Crypto the Superdog, and how he, uh, went into a spaceship with Superman when they, uh, when they first looked Krypton. Um, they grow up together, he becomes the super pet of Superman, he's getting, he's a bit ambigu- um, oblivious to Superman falling in love with Lois. Uh, then, from there, 
I'm going to butcher this. Let me, let me think. I just okay. um, yeah, oh. so then, so basically, then he uh, bumps into a dog on um, that Superman had rescued, and the dog doesn't want to be in the rescue kennels anymore. Um, you skip a bit, and you find there's a pet that Luther used to have uh, as a pet, and this pet wants to do the bidding of Lex Luthor, and Lex Luthor is also somewhere else trying to gain access to, it looked red to me, but orange kryptonite. <laughs> um, and Lex Luthor believes that orange kryptonite would give him uh, superhuman abilities, and it does not give human super, superhuman abilities, but it gives animals super animal abilities? <laughs> yeah, superpowers. Uh, Superpowers, yeah, basically, yeah, sorry. Um, and the pet, or the, I've forgotten the name of it, to be fair, but the, 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 the guinea pig, was it a guinea pig? Yeah. The guinea pig, Lulu. Um, Lulu, yeah, gives powers to all the other animals in the shop, and then she proceeds to go and find minions to give powers to also. Uh, she takes down Superman pretty easily with her mind control, uh, stabbing him with some kryptonite. And then they proceed to take down the rest of the Justice League pretty easy and capture them themselves in Luthor's... Was it Luthor's or Batcave? I couldn't really tell. It was LexCorp. It was LexCorp. Okay. Lex Luthor is in um, in prison, isn't prison, he? Prison, yeah. He's, so he's been Stratford captured. Island. Yeah. Um, and then Superdog... Superdog? Uh, Super Sorry. Crypto loses his powers but gains the friendship of these other dogs who have powers... And he tries to persuade them to fight Lulu and her her minions. Um, they have a bit of a tussle. They lose. Then they try and conjure up a plan. They get captured. And then Superdog miraculously gets his or Crypto, sorry, gets his powers back. Breaks out the prison. They work as a team. They beat the bad guinea pig. And then they free the super superheroes. The guinea pig eats the kryptonite, becomes a giant monster, and then Superdog goes to or Crypto goes to sacrifice himself and destroys tries to destroy the guinea pig and then somehow survives from the now bat dog taking the fall. I think that's a brief well, that's pretty much some synopsis of the film. It's a very pretty much it's yeah. a very kid orientated film definitely not for adults. I couldn't really see any adult-related humour, bar the fact uh, Batman was naming and shaming all his partners in crime, even though he wants to work solo. Um, Did you not find the fact that the turtle kept swearing? Yeah. It bleeped out, like, really odd. It was strange. I must have missed it at the beginning, because I noticed it when he zoomed somewhere and was right next to a... Is it Dandelion? Daffodil? No. Sunflower. I don't know. Um... And he just, he said it. And I was like, did I mishear that? Did I, was that actually happening? But yeah, he, he, or, he or she does. And it, yeah, it was very strange. Very, very strange. Especially for a kid's film. Um, especially for a kid's film that adults know is a kid's film. Do you know, like, that added no extra humour for me. I don't know if it did for you. No, not, well, the first time I was like, oh, that's a bit. That's kind of funny, the fact that they bleeped it. Because you can say shit in a PG, right? But I guess it's um, not, you know, I guess if they're an animation that's really targeted to kids, you're probably not going to say it. But, I mean, they got a crap in there. But the second time, I was like, this is odd. And then there was one time where the bleep was quite clearly going to be the word fuck. And I was like, 
this is really strange, like, to have that in a kid's film. It felt really at odds with the rest of the tone. I don't know if that's who it is. Sorry, I was thinking in my head, like, because it was annoying me when I was watching it, who voiced the title, and it's the woman from um, American Pie. can't remember her name. Uh, Natasha Leone. That's the one. Yeah, I don't know if the voices, uh, Kevin Hart and The Rock's voices, suited the pets. I agree. I thought um, there was times where Kevin Hart suited it, but it wasn't really. I think they, I think they needed to put more of a an accent on, basically. Um, but yeah, it just it. I can see, I can see kids loving this film purely for the superhero aspect of it. But in terms of a story, it was pretty shocking. But then I don't know what you're really going to get out of a a, a dog being the the front runner of the show um from someone who's a, if you took it from a super fan perspective they they nerfed um mr clark kent pretty quickly and easily as well as the rest of the justice league um i don't really understand this continual hatred on aquaman uh take continually taking the mick out of him now um what did they do this time off uh, they've gone to eat fish food Oh, right. And the fish tank, and, um, yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's quick, again, it's another short film. Uh, well, I thought it was short. Um, uh, short film, very for the kids. I th- I just, yeah, I don't really know, yeah. Yeah, I didn't find it very funny. Um, there was not a lot of points where I laughed. I also didn't bother to stay for the post credit scene, so I've just oh, realised. Um, were they any good? Uh... I think there was only one, if I remember correctly. I didn't realise there was one. Yeah, it's uh, Black Adam comes. Obviously, he's the Rock as well, and he's got a dog, and the dog is <laughs> the dog's like um, saying to um, to Bark uh, to Bark Ken, to uh, Crypto. Oh yeah, I'm like an anti-villain. I'm the best. We're the best type of uh, we're the best type of hero. Anti-hero, sorry. We're the best type of hero because we can do whatever we want with like no consequences, and <laughs> the fucking Crypto was like, that sounds like a villain. He's like, no, it's just a hero. It's just a hero. Like, cooler. <laughs> to be honest, I found it, the, the first question I found actually found quite funny. And the fact that it was, um, they were both voiced by, the back and forth was both The Rock, I found quite funny as well. But, yeah. That sounds funnier than most of the rest of the film. But, um, yeah, yeah what did you think of it, Obi? Uh, yeah, I'm in a pretty similar boat to you guys. I, I think the film was alright. Um, I liked some of the back and forth between uh, The Rock and Kevin Hart, but I think, like similar to what Chris said, I do think their voices are so distinct it's kind of hard to imagine them as like animals, if that, for lack of a better word. Like it's kind, it reminds me of like when I watched Lion King and Beyonce voice Nala, and I was like, this is just sounds like Beyonce. <laughs> like it's just like their voices yeah. are so they're like yeah they're so their voices are so like iconic that you just like. I can't. I couldn't have that like suspension of disbelief. Um, but that aside, uh, I suppose I was kind of hoping for maybe a little bit more in the in the terms of yeah, it being a bit funnier. I, there were moments that I like chuckled, but there was like moments where I like you know like properly laughed. Because I'm thinking of like comparing it to other anime films like um, uh, Teen, the Teen Titans Go film. I remember there that was, was a couple hilarious. Of, yeah, I was bursting out laughing at a couple of those ones. Um, and this didn't ha- really have any of those, which is a shame. Um, the story, I think, is fine. I didn't have any problems 
uh, with it. Um, I liked the little, um, what's it called? The little story about um, the uh, Kevin Hart's dog where he's saying like, oh, he kind of had the family and then he ended up like protecting the baby and pulled down the stairs, but the, the, the parents of the, the kids saw it another way and they saw the dog as being like rabid or whatever. So they had to sell him and stuff. And he was like saying, oh yeah, I would do it again because you know, that's blah, blah, blah. And the song that, uh, play, that was the backing track for that scene has now been added to my playlist, playlist because I really enjoyed it. Um, and I also, crap, what was I going to say? I also enjoyed the bit at the end with Keanu Reeves and the bat dog where they're both saying like, oh, I was, uh, I was, um, separate from my family and I, and like, he was like saying he was separate from Sam as well, and they were both like, you know, selling their backstories, and they were like, oh, "Okay, yeah, let's be, you know, dog and owner and stuff." I thought that was that was funny, but yeah, that aside, it's not a spectacular film, to be honest with you. Um, it's all yeah. about the message, isn't it, of finding your family? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was fine. I saw it in a cinema, and there was obviously because it's summer holidays, young families there, and when the turtle was bleeping. All of the parents were like looking at their kids, being like, "Did you get what they were trying to say?" So, <laughs> yeah, odd. Um, it, it's fine. Um, I will quickly talk about where the crawdads sing, and then have, Obi, have you had a chance to start the Sandman yet? I uh, watched the first episode of the Sandman. Okay, well, we can maybe talk about. Right, that. It's very long. It's not that long. It's like forty-five minutes. Oof. That's a st- that's a standard TV no, show. Episode. I didn't mean I didn't mean the length of the show. I just I wasn't very engaged. Fair enough. Uh, we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, I won't spend long where the crowd I'm saying it's uh, an adaptation of a successful novel um, by Delia Owens. It's essentially about a young girl who lives in the marshes of North Carolina um, called Kaya. She essentially when she's very young gets abandoned by most of her family because her father is very physically abusive um so she's left to fend for herself and kind of look after him but then he ends up leaving her as well so from a very young age she's just kind of has to learn to hustle and um she ends up selling muscles to a local uh kind of shop owner um it's set in the Sixties, uh, I should add. Um, so there's obviously uh, tensions between um, races at that point. Um, she's also othered. She herself is white, but is othered and called the Marsh Girl um, because she's less educated. Uh, then she kind of forms this relationship with a local boy who's very nice to her. Teaches her to read. She's always interested in like plant life and stuff and feathers and birds from the marsh takes a place over a very long period of time or the book does anyway um the film kind of cuts out a lot of the early stuff and kind of focuses on the drama which is that in 1969 which is the kind of adult part of kaya's life one of the local boys is dead and she's the main suspect um and it kind of flits back and forth between the trial uh she's on trial not only for the crime but also for being who she is and the circumstances that led her to be there um and then it kind of cuts back to kind of her relationship with 
Tate and the now deceased guy called Chase um, and that sort of thing. So it's very much more of like a this the, the film adaptation is more like romanticized in a sense. It's about her love with these two men um, and the kind of trial um, is, is interspersed with it. So tonally it shifts a bit. The trial seems a bit more focused in this adaptation rather than the book. So the trial in the book is like the last couple of chapters. Um, it's kind of inconsequential. The book itself is more about literally her coming of age. Um, so yeah, they they kind of framed it for the drama. It's It was not a great adaptation. It wasn't well written at all. Um, the dialogue was just kind of cliched, really. Uh, it wasn't particularly well acted. Um, it's also one of those films where like so it's a 15 but the reason it's 15 is because there's a part where the character gets sexually assaulted but they could have not showed it in quite the detail and it would have passed as the younger age bracket um, and I felt that, that maybe would have given it a bit more um, wide appeal but it's very much one of these like uh, it goes for a certain demographic like you like kind of hallmark type films you know romancy not very high quality uh, this is essentially what it is the book is a lot better um, so how does it end? Uh, so it turns out that she did kill him um, but oh. gets away with it Um and you see why. So the guy who rapes her is the guy that ends up dead. And so you can kind of see, like, oh, she got away with it. So, mm. um, but it's a bigger twist in the book, I think, probably because you're spending longer reading it. And then mm. there's like a bit where you're like, oh, shit. Um, but yeah, she makes success for herself. Uh, she publishes books on the marshland and things like that. Um, but I, I don't know. I've, I guess more when I was reading the book, but like it. It was strange to me that you would set a book in the 50s and 60s during, obviously, um, civil rights. And there are characters in it who are, you know, black and are um, you know, racially abused or there are, you know, terms that, that are used to them that are now very outdated. Um, but the fact that she... So I originally assumed that this character was you know a person of colour because of the way that she was excluded and all that sort of thing but she it is she isn't and I was just a bit like you're kind of there were bigger issues going on at this time in this setting um, so I don't know I just felt a bit strange um, but yeah I mean the book is I enjoyed the book and mm. I did not enjoy the film so would not recommend that adaptation. Um, the Sandman. So this is a big budget Netflix adaptation of a Neil Gaiman graphic novel, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've seen three episodes. So why don't you let awesome. us know, Obi, what's happened in episode one and your thoughts? Yeah, so episode one. Um, so what happens in episode one? So we see... Um, the dream world, I guess, or the world of the world of dreams. Uh, I think is voiced over by the person who embodies dreams. I guess is like the lord of the dream world or whatever. Um, and he travels to the real world to go and grab 
someone I can't remember what he what spirit he's supposed to be or what like thing he's supposed to be. But um it's the geezer with the sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Um and he's about to say like, Oh, you've been doing this bullshit in the real world and he, he's like they're like saying, Oh, we can control this world too, so why not? kind of thing. Kinda of like a actually no. Um so yeah, so he's about to say like, nah, fuck this, you're coming back to the dream world with me. Then all of a sudden he gets dragged to some someone's mansion by uh, Tywin Lannister, who's um managed like to use magic to conjure up he wanted to conjure up the uh the angel of the god of death or the angel of death um so that he could bring his son back from the war who died in the war this is it's like 1916 i think it was yeah um and he ends up conjuring the dream guy instead um then he like they like trap him in the house take all of his stuff and he's all like naked and stuff take all of his like uh his his perch his perch his purse and whatever the hell else he had and they keep him trapped in the house and basically says to him um like what can you do for me can you help me can you bring back my son? Can you do? Can you give me anything? Can you give me wealth? Can you give me immortality? Can you anything like that? Give me anything like that, and I'll let you go. And the the uh, Mister Dream just doesn't speak. And the guy's like, "Cool, so right, so you'll be going to be a prisoner until the time that you uh, allow me to have some of the stuff that I'm asking for." And basically, he is a prisoner for what hundred years or so. Yeah. Um. The dad carries on asking him. The dad's the dad's younger son. He grows up. He's like trying to like he's like more of a kinder soul than his dad, um, and he's like trying to ask him nicely like, right, can you just give my dad some stuff like, and then, then we'll let you go. And then the dad's like, oh, you're a disappointment, blah blah blah. The boy ends up killing the dad inadvertently, but Loki is a bit of manslaughter, <laughs> but no one is, no one says anything. No, no yeah, one gives a shit. Um, then so the dad also dies. kills his magpie though, kills Dream yeah, oh, yeah, magpie. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, did he you did you say a hundred years? It's about a hundred years, yeah. Yeah. How's the? Yeah, Karen. Yeah, sorry. But to be fair, well, yeah. So, well, maybe not hundred years, but I assume it's at least in the two thousands by the time uh, the end of the episode. By the time by the time he gets freed, I assume it's the early two thousands around about that time. Uh, so, um, so yeah, he shoots the mag. So yeah, he shoots the magpie, and then I think. Mr. Dream, he kind of takes that as like, okay, now I'm definitely not talking to these people. So then he just keeps his mouth shut. And uh, Alex, I believe, is the kid, man. He uh, finds love, I suppose. He gets married. Oh, I don't know if he gets married, but he gets together with um, Paul, I believe is his name. And they're together for, I don't know, eight years or whatever, how long it is. Um, but again, he like, it comes, it like shows him aging up to Alex being an old man. And he's been like coming down every now and again to say like, can you promise that you're not going to kill or not going to hurt me or Paul or any of us and I'll let you go? And he just, again, says nothing. Um, and then he's like, all right, oh, cool, I'm just going to leave you here then. And then Paul comes to get him. He's like in a wheelchair. And I don't know if he's done on purpose because Paul looks back after it happens, but Paul breaks the circle, which is keeping him trapped in the house. Look, I, had, I have no idea if it's by accident or if it's on purpose because Paul looks back and then they, like, look towards I think it was on purpose oh you do think it was on purpose okay cool and I was a bit like mm, is Paul like what's Paul up to maybe Paul just wants it all to be over but anyway so yeah he breaks the thing uh, then Mr. Dream he tricks he like um, puts the guards into like some sort of submission in the dream makes the guards start shooting at the uh, the glass thing that they're keeping him in and 
the other guy's like, what the fuck are you doing? And then the, the glass shatters and then Mr. Dream's out. And then he starts terrorising the uh, uh, Alex, who um, and he's like making him like see nightmares and stuff like that. I also forgot that because um, they captured uh, Mr. Dream. I'm just calling him Mr. Dream. I know it's not his name, but well, because <laughs> they captured Mr. Dream, um, people are either can't sleep or they go to sleep and they can't wake up. So that's like I feel like that was like a whole pandemic and no one really gives a shit about that either. But anyway, yeah, especially if it's a hundred years. Yeah. Um, that was it. That was it. Bit, but strange, but you know, yeah. I guess you know, if it doesn't happen to everyone, then nobody cares. Anyway, um, so yeah, he uh, torments Alex for a little bit. Then I, I don't know if Alex is in like, uh, like perpetual torment, or I'm not sure how he. Leaves. I can't remember how, what state he leaves him in. But then he goes back to the dream world. The dream world's all fucked up because he's been gone for so long, and I think a lot of other spirits or whatever they're called. Um, who were kind of like under Mr. Dream because he's like the overlord um, they've kind of because he was gone they were like oh like we're tired of waiting for him so we're just going to do our own thing so I think I'm assuming episode 2 deal with him kind of like sorting out what's left of the dream world because it's all a bit fucked up um, and then the other geezer with the glasses who he tried to capture at the beginning of the episode he just finished torturing someone I have no idea why or what but I think he's about to do some madness so yeah that's why it really that's as far as I got in episode, episode one, I believe. More what less. did you think of it? I hope... Oh, sorry, Chris. Go on, Chris. No, go on. You answer first, then I'll ask Um, What I think of it, I I thought it was interesting. I interested enough to watch another episode. Um, I um, I thought... I did think that the episode one meandered a little bit, um, and I was a bit like, oh, are we just gonna, is he just going to be silent this whole time? Like, are we actually going to... Is he going to say something? Like, is something else going to happen? Um, I I like the actor who plays Tyrone Lannister. I can't remember his name in the show. Charles and, Dance. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the him. maester or something, isn't he? And it, it's a bit, I'm a bit like, oh, man, that he kind of like is dead and, and died. Because like, oh, he's a good actor. He would have been a good character if he was in the whole thing. Um, and maybe he does make another appearance. I don't know. But for now, I'm going to assume that he doesn't. So that was a bit like, oh, fair enough. Um, and it's like to the same for a lot of. I thought we were going to stay in 1916 or 1926 or however. I thought we were going to stay there for maybe a couple episodes because I just kind of wanted to see those characters, the characters that were there, kind of like show a bit more. But Alex, Paul, um, the woman who got pregnant and ran away, I can't remember her name. Um, you know, I wanted to see a bit more of them, what they were about. Um, maybe we will, I don't know. But um, for now, it seems like it's more present day ish. So. I guess we're going to meet a bunch of whole new characters um, now, but yeah, I think it was it was all right, and, and a lot of people have been like raving about it quite a lot. So I'm assuming that you know the next few episodes are going to be going to get even better. Um, what were you going to say, Chris? Uh, I was going to say, um, yeah, I think I, I agree with Obi. I think it meandered a little bit, and. Uh, it was it was a little hard to focus on it because I just feel like it was um it's immediately right off the back quite a, it's a it's a like a what's the right word it's a certain tone and it kind of I don't know anyway just it made it, I found it a bit difficult to like want to keep attention to it I feel like that they've gone to this time period and they will revisit it uh, but my actual question was why has no one come to find him. Um, 
in a hundred years, or however long you say it is. I'm, I don't know if people can enter the kind of human world, world, real world. Okay, that would make sense, I suppose. I just feel like I just feel like he was captured, and they knew what to meet like really easily. Uh, obviously, they have that geezer assisting this guy, um, and I feel like he must have a greater plan in this whole agenda of what he's doing. I um, could quickly my assumption for why they didn't, uh, no one came looking for him, was uh, maybe more of the thing of like the woman who was like his um, his right hand woman. I assume she was just kind of like waiting for him to return, so she was kind of like trying to keep the ship afloat in the dream world. And then the other people, I guess, were kind of one maybe waiting for him to come back. And then when they didn't realize, when they realized he's not coming back, they were like, okay, cool, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. And they just kind of fucked off and did whatever the fuck they wanted. Yeah. I think uh, it's a strange first episode um, because, like you said, Dream spent the entire entirety of the episode almost in that glass prison, naked and doesn't say anything. Now, to be introduced to your protagonist in that way you know we don't really see that much of what he can do before that point like if we'd seen like 10-15 minutes of what he can do and then it's like boom he's captured you'd be like oh damn like that's you know they've done well to capture him and it's a big thing but we didn't we never really got any time in the dream world and how that would be affected by him going missing so like you don't really have any empathy towards that realm being, um, you know, affected by his his him being missing. And and the first part you see of him is is being undermined. So you're like, well, this guy's just weak and shit. Um, so I found that really odd. And also the fact that the first entire episode, forty five minutes, was set in that period, and then it's like, boom, now we're in the present. It's like, well, what? Did you need that whole episode to build up to that, or could you have just had that as a smaller segment? Because, you know, as far as we know, what happened there was relatively inconsequential. Um, so I just find it strange. And there's a lot of things, um, and I'm not going to go into detail because I've seen two more episodes than you, but a lot of things happen and are quite rushed. It's like, boom, you need this, boom, right, okay. So, like, when Charles Dance's character is like, oh, we need to summon this. Angel of Death. It's like, okay, cool, I've summoned him. It's like, oh, that was easy. Oh, we need to con- hold him in here. Okay, that was easy. I don't know. There doesn't seem to be much tension in it um, for me. Um, I thought the opening shot of the dream world was visually really impressive. The, the visual effects were strong, um, in my opinion, and that is pretty consistent for the episodes I've seen, but I don't know, I'm, I'm not, like, gripped by it yet. And I also think tonally it's also very odd. Um, there are some parts which are very... Um, almost fairy tale or fable-like, like, quite childish. And then there are other parts of it where it's very uh, violent. And you're like, this really... I don't know what they're going for here. Um, so, yeah. I I don't know whether this is going to be 
if it's a limited series or if they're presumably they were going to want to make this a franchise. But it seems like a lot of things happen quite quickly and quite easily for the characters. Um, so, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm, I can't have hated it too much because I've watched three episodes of it, but um, I'm still waiting to kind of be like, ah, I must watch the, the next one. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Published by DC, apparently the comic. Yeah, I, I, there's a there's two characters in it that, that are, will appear in there, DC related. Well, strange, even more convolutedness from DC. But yeah, um, so you're prob- sorry. I was going to give it the three episode test, and if I don't like it after three episodes, then I can knock it on the head. But so it's, it's not interested you more because you know you've heard it's DC. Not really, no. I mean, I don't, I mean, thus far, Aquaman's not turned up, so <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. DC um, TV shows, unless it's Peacemaker. No, no, I like Constantine. I still haven't finished Titans, man. Uh, Titans, <laughs> oh, yeah, man, was, a bit, like was a bit meh. Constantine was good. Titans was a bit meh. Lucifer was good. Uh, Flash was good at some points. Arrow was good at some points. They had their moments. The fact that Sorry, the fact that it's made by Netflix um, makes me a bit more like, okay, I'm going to watch it. If this was a CW show, I probably wouldn't be as as willing to watch it. Did you ever watch the uh, rest of that Star Monster Face? Saga? Yeah, season two or season three. Uh, I watched the first two episodes of season two, and to be honest, they were good. I just stopped watching like for no particular reason, I didn't, and I didn't continue. I might go back and watch it one day because it wasn't wasn't bad. I think it's a decent show. So yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, I will maybe not watch any more until you decide whether you're going to continue it, Obi. Um, Chris doesn't sound like you're going to. I'm going to watch it. Up. Oh, you are. Okay. I will. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Just quickly, right, we'll we'll try and, um, uh, sorry, Ben. Actually, sorry. Continue. Reason. No, I was kind of going to begin wrapping up but you go okay so two things um have either of you watched paper girls on amazon Prime? no um so paper girls is also based in the comic and it's basically about um four girls from the 80s who travel to who time travel to the future um and it's pretty decent so sorry. That is right up your street over yeah it's like a <laughs> little it's like a little i get like a little bit of stranger things vibes from it um but um, I just find the characters quite interesting. The budget on the show is not the highest, and you can like <laughs> tell from like a lot of the CG is quite a bit ropey. But the actual like story behind it, the characters, how the characters develop um, throughout the series is pretty good, and it leads on well to a season two. Um, so yeah, if you you want to check that out, I would say it's worth watching. Um, and the second thing is, um, how have you been watching All or Nothing Arsenal? Yes, I'm absolutely not. <laughs> but I did see. I don't know. You guys are up to it yet? But the the Abamyang situation that's in there. I saw a clip of that, and that is fascinating. Yeah, you're up to date, Obi. So no, I've only I've watched. I've almost finished the third episode. Okay. So I'm not quite up to date, but it's. Do you so know would, you, it's would you have seen what I've what I've just talked n- about? No, I think what I think what you're talking about is episode four. I think. Okay. Um, and it's funny because so, it would have been really good if you'd watched it because I'd just like to know your opinion as like a non-Arsenal fan because obviously me and Dan both support uh, Arsenal I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch it for the, ne- I'll, I'll watch it for the next, episode, uh, next episode yeah because like I me personally again I don't know 
how you actually that it might be different actually because you like you just like actively don't watch games, so maybe it's a bit different with you. But uh, uh, I'm a lot of the footage in there from the games. I'm like, oh, I've never seen that before. <laughs> so like, when I'm, I think this is what I kind of like don't love about series like this is when I because I know exactly how the season played out and I know like basically exactly what happened. So obviously, apart from a few things behind the scenes here and there, so like. When you're, when I, if I compare it to like Last Chance U, for example, where I have no idea how the season's going to turn out, I find it much more enthralling, much more engaging. This this series is good from a spectrum of oh, I'm an Arsenal fan and these are Arsenal players and I, it's good, it's interesting to see what they're like behind the scenes. But I wouldn't say that I have learned first three episodes. I wouldn't say I've particularly learned anything that's made me like oh wow this is a really good series or you know this person's really actually he's really like different to how he seems in the real in real world maybe Nuno Tavares I guess because they say he's quite quiet on the pitch he seems quite like expressive so I suppose that's the only thing but apart from that I've been a bit like yeah I think it's all it's fine it's all right but I didn't I'm not I'm gonna watch it because it's Arsenal related but if it wasn't Arsenal I'd probably wouldn't stop watching mine yeah I know what you mean like it would it probably would be more dramatic if you watched it like I guess kind of like serialised like um, you know a couple of weeks or a week after they've shot some footage so you're watching it as the season goes and so you're you're building that tension you go I don't actually know how this is going to end but we obviously know how it ends and we know a lot of the flashpoints from the season and if they're not covered you're kind of like oh why so yeah, I, I'm enjoying it, but like you said, I'm not learning tons. It's very, very. It, it's an. I think it's kind of like an Arteta propaganda piece. It, Absolutely. It's very. This is Arteta. These are his methods and his passion. And I quite like that, but I want to learn a lot more about our players. So you do get a little bit about Nuno Tavares, but in one of the later episodes is um, when he gets dragged off for 30 minutes against. Nottingham Forest and I would like to have them talk to him about that or to see how Arteta motivated him again but there isn't any of that and you're like oh well, you, you, told, you did like a five minute segment in one of the earlier episodes about how he's quiet and struggling to adapt and blah 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 and then this quite big thing happens to him and you know what I would like to see is how Arteta has managed to motivate him after that point and how his teammates felt a bit I mean there's a little bit of that with their bumming and stuff but um, yeah it's, you, it's not quite as uh, do I, I think, don't know do you, sorry Karen sorry I was going to say I'd like, yeah, I'd like to get to know the players a bit more and the six episodes I've seen have 95% of it's been Arteta yeah do you, do you think um, obviously yeah it could be like Arteta propaganda but do you think that you are at the mercy of the of the season that they've chosen, because I feel like there may have been better seasons to choose to take on an Arsenal venture. They don't know that until. Well, this is the this is the problem. I mean, isn't they, it? they probably for our, for our one we got we got a cracker. We got like, yeah, but they they didn't go they, into they, that thinking Pochettino was going to get sacked. True. So they thought they probably thought, look, this summer it's was it Arteta's first full season with fans, and it's like, look, they're going to spend big. Look, we're going to get back. You've got no Europe. We're going to get back into the Champions League. That was hope, their probable hope. Um, 
I mean, know, I, I feel like I think, he's making his way there, but do you think they should have like a season two? Actually, Karen, you're saying, sorry. Well, that's literally what I was going to say. I was like, I think if they were smart, they would probably film again this season to hope that we would do well in Europa League and build upon what we, what happened last season with even more investment. Um, I don't know if that's the case. I know the Man City one got a second season, didn't it? Um, I think. I'm, I'm really surprised the Tottenham one didn't because that would have been fascinating as well. Um, yeah, exactly. Season two, but um, again, yeah. I guess it's what you're contracted to. Um, should be should behind the scenes of what happens really be shown, and well, such a high level because obviously, like with the all or nothing, it's not obviously college football is high level in the fact that that, that these people are really trying to get their career off the ground. But for these clubs that we're watching, they're very much integrated in the system. These things that we could be shown, could be poached, could be see, could be like manipulated in the way that other teams can profit off it. So, yeah, to be, know where, I don't know where my point was going, but I was going to say I think they in, in the Arsenal, especially I, I haven't seen anything like tactically where they're like that that might give anything away. So I think. I reckon they probably sift through, obviously they'll sift through all of the footage and be like, okay, yeah, we can't show this. We can't tell people this. We can't tell people this. True, true. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose the, the point, the, the moment I was thinking of, and it's not really a tactical thing, is when Mourinho, for, for Tottenham, Mourinho was talking about Pogba and how he's probably going to ping a pass through the middle and then in that, in that match he did the exact thing he said. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, maybe I should watch it and I should really watch the Man City one. It's just... Um, Priority list of things to watch. It's not up there, but um, I feel like I feel like these documentaries. You have to watch them in the moment because if you're watching a city documentary from like three, four seasons ago, half those players might not even be there anymore. So, like, I feel like you have might. to watch them in in the moment. But um, I mean, yeah. obviously, I'm not telling you you can't watch it. But no, no, I, I get like, you. You either watch something in the moment or you watch something so historical that you kind of relive in it. Yeah, like yeah. Now, like it's a season or two ago, you don't really care about it. I started watching the Juventus one. I can't remember if it was on Amazon or Netflix or something, but it was from a couple of seasons ago, and I was like, fucking Marquezio's still here or something. So I was like, nah, I can't be bothered. Plus, it was all in Italian. But, um, yeah, the, I mean, there is a little bit of interesting insight about the Aubameyang stuff, um, but that literally covers, like, two episodes. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I can only imagine there's a few more episodes left, but I would be interested to see if they had if they do do one this series, but this season but I think watching it soon after the events happen is, is probably a lot more interesting but unlikely um, so yeah like you said there's no tension when you know that we didn't get Champions League so uh, yeah hey hey um, so probably the next time we convene um, I imagine there will be at least an episode of She-Hulk out and uh, I'm going to go and watch Nope the latest Jordan Peele film uh, so yeah, maybe we can talk about that and anything else if we've caught up with the Sandman but, yeah. um, of House uh, Dragon as well oh yeah. shit yeah I'm watching Lock and Key season 3 if anyone watches that um, I never went to season 2 season 2 better than season 1 or was it about the same mm, I think it's a little bit mm, yeah it's probably a little bit better I think they're pretty much on par with each other. So if you like season one, you're probably going to like season two. And so, so season three is giving me the exact same vibe as the other ones. So um, maybe that series needs more of an origin story or continual origin because I still don't really know how everything works. 
trying to think of the other things I've watched. I mean, Rick and Morty's back soon. Cobra Kai's back soon. Sorry, guys, I have to go. So if you want to keep continuing this conversation. No, no, you just, no let's, let's end it. So I'm All, right. All right, guys. Until next time. Peace. Keep it sexy. <laughs>